Hello there, fartheads. This is your host, Casey O'Brien. A quick announcement about this episode. I was recording my audio in a garage band, which I don't normally do, and it uh, collapsed and corrupted my audio file. I was recording, and it screwed up everything. So, luckily, I'm a podcast professional, and I had a backup recording, but it sounds like not as good, in my opinion. You probably won't even notice, but just want to let you know if you're like, wow, production quality's gone down the tubes over at Fart House. That's not the case. This was an accident, okay? Let me be. It's Christmas, for God's sakes. Anyways, enjoy this episode. It's really fun. Bye. Welcome to Fart House, where we watch the artsiest, fartiest films that you can pretend that you did. I am one of your hosts, Casey O'Brien, and we've got another jolly host, Mr. Patrick Mallon. Ho, ho, ho to you, Patrick. Ho, ho, ho to you, sir. Patrick. <laughs> yeah? You are married. I am. By the king himself presided Ooh. over the nuptials. We watched the live stream. It was very exciting. Your little nephew was dressed as Elvis. We loved it. I love seeing your parents' horrified reactions throughout the whole ceremony. No, just joking. They were, they were smiling they and happy. No, 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 no. I was just kidding. You guys looked great. Thank you. We really loved being able to watch it. It was funny because it's you, like Case. you were like, be on time. And we were. And it yeah. started and it was like, oh, it's happening. Okay, and we're watching it. And then it is like... Five minutes and it, the stream is done. Like yeah. it was over. <laughs> it's the most it efficient o- thing I've ever encountered. It's like an extraordinary logistical dream. Like they, yeah. they, they know what they're doing. Like they should be consultants on everything. The people that run the Graceland Chapel in Las Vegas. It was. Did I you was have a great impressed. time? Yeah, it was an absolute blast. It was a great weekend. All the families converged upon the city of sin. To indulge in their darkest desires. Oh, really? Uh, wow. <laughs> no, it was pretty benign. I'm leaving <laughs> Las Vegas. <laughs> but it was really fun. Um, I highly, if even if anyone is considering getting married, I highly recommend this approach. It was easy. Uh, it was fun. Relatively inexpensive, and it was still very meaningful. Yes. Um, so it was really great. Got a lot of great feedback from everyone. Thank you very much for tuning in. That means a oh, lot. Had we to. had a lot of uh we had a lot of people who were a lot of streamers watching. And I noticed that there are people <laughs> that um that tend to just do this as a hobby of theirs. We had just congratulations. watch them? Yeah, just watch them. Like if you go hmm. onto the Facebook page and you know, if you peruse some of the comments, there's uh folks who seem to just kind of like watching and congratulating and encouraging people, strangers from afar. They love love. Yeah, they love love and they love the king. Our Elvis was great. Uh, he was. He, he, had he had a, a nice, good voice. He had a nice repartee with uh, nephew Everett. Yes, <laughs> who was dressed as Elvis. He looked was, great. Yes, our nephew Everett was dressed as Elver, uh, Elvis. And uh, Elvis would sometimes say, not now, baby. <laughs> not now, baby. <laughs> There were a couple times where Everett was vocalizing a little bit from the pews, but sure. uh, <laughs> it was great, Case. It was a blast. That's great. I'd love to hear that. You yeah. know what the Elvis... Thank you for the, tuning in. 
Of course. I would just be so curious. I'm like, what's your life like? Like, what how, what led <laughs> you to this path? How are you here? Are you happy that you're here? Was this a dream? That uh, reminds me. We have his real name on our marriage certificate, and I meant to Google him and do a deep dive on him, and I, I forgot to do that, but now you've reminded you me. You got to. I, I would just to... be so curious. <laughs> yeah. So we do have his real name. The illusion has been broken. And I can the mask has f- fallen. Yeah, I can pull back the curtain and look into who this person is that and uh, see what makes him tick. See what. Yeah, took I would him. just be curious. I'm like, where are you from? I what does it, Leah, your this apartment is kind of... look like? Do you have a house? I'm curious. <laughs> what does apartment? You mean what does this mansion look like? What does this mansion look like? Yeah, mini <laughs> Graceland. I would hope so. <laughs> I like to think that all of the Elvises, the Graceland Chapel, have like. Miniature Gracelands, they're all on this compound, like oh, all I of them. Oh, I love that, yes. <laughs> they're all in mini Gracelands, and they all dine together, and they that all like go incredible. to sleep at the same time. And <laughs> There's rivalries. Have like and, morning uh, routines together. Yes. <laughs> I love it. Like the, the the you know, the Snow White and the, the dwarves. The, they're like, <laughs> yes. hi-ho, off to work we go. Yeah, and there's one big like... Uh, Colonel impersonator, the kind of Colonel wields... that that corrals all of them. <laughs> yeah, they all follow him like a Pied Piper. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's I did good. say to Leah that um, the Elvis that presided. Uh, I feel like that would kind of be my dream job. Like I think I would love this job being the yeah, Elvis. Yeah, you wouldn't take buddies. your job home probably, but knowing <laughs> you, you probably would. <laughs> yeah, I would think about things I could have done better. Certain notes that I missed, or sure. certain jokes I that be... I fumbled. Irritated with the organist or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> or the photographer. Um, sure, sure, sure. We didn't expect uh, to uh, pay for the photographer package, but they actually did a pretty nice job. So we ended up splurging oh, nice. on the because they're very, very strict about no photos inside of the chapel. You know, because they're running their own little racket. You like you have sure. To, I took some screenshots. Oh, you did <laughs> high def screenshots. They can't stop me on the dark web. <laughs> yeah, uh, hopefully not. Uh, I'm surprised they didn't lock down your browser. I know, uh, like, yeah, just a big skull and crossbones comes onto our screen. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Uh, uh So we we have some great, great photos from the in-house photographer, which I can share on the Discord. Phenomenal. Love to hear that. Well, I'm so happy for you guys. I'm glad you you guys had a great time. And you, did you do your honeymoon already? No, that is, we leave, so we're recording uh, today, Monday, December 18th. We leave Thursday the 21st in New Orleans. If wow. any far hits are in New Orleans, be on the lookout for me. I'll be strolling the streets. Don't choke the on the king Sazerac. baby. <laughs> Don't won't. choke on the little king baby. You know what that is? That there's a little baby in a king baby cake? I do. Uh, have you seen that video of me finding the uh, the baby in the king cake? No, I have no, no. I have no Did idea. You, how much of your life have you known that king cake is a thing? Five years, I would say. Okay. Yeah, I've probably I think known I saw about it on some travel channel show or something. I think I've only known about it for like four years, three or four hmm. years, and I became obsessed with this notion of the baby and the king cake and uh, got one here in H-E-B in Texas, and it was the tiniest, strangest looking baby. Like, it seemed yeah. so much like a choking hazard. Yeah, it is. That's what I, I see. It's like the tiny, teeny, tiny baby. Yeah. You know, Patrick, there are like some of the world's greatest cocktail bars are in New Orleans. Oh, yeah. I have maybe like 45 places bookmarked. Wow. Yeah. Not just cocktail bars. Alcohol poisoning. (laughs) No, I have a lot of different places. A lot of po' boy places. So I might die of. Fabulous. Roast beef and oyster poisoning. Yeah. You might die of what? Gout? Uh, (laughs) Gout is the more likely. Yeah. There's multiple. Have you ever had gout? 
No. Is it something that you can... It's from eating rich food. Yeah, I mean, I've heard it. It seems like a, it's like one of those pop cultural ailments that doesn't seem yeah. to be actually <laughs> applicable to our times. Well, Gout. I don't know. I just feel like if anybody could do it, I think you could. Just eating rich food. <laughs> what about kidney stones? Oh, those are Did in the future, Did we talk about kidney stones on the... We may have, my dad had a kidney stone and my grandpa had a kidney stone. I don't want a kidney stone, but both of them, like, I don't know if ever had drank a glass of water in their lives up to that point. So well, we've talked I'm, about this, right? How a lot of men don't drink water, myself included. Oh, I drink a lot of water. Yeah, I'm I think very you're, hydrated. I think you're, except, you're one of the few exceptions to the rule. I remember when I went to a burger place with my grandpa, R.I.P. Ken O'Brien. We went to the Hilltop Tavern. He got two cheeseburgers and French fries and nothing to drink. <laughs> nothing to drink. Not even And I thought Coke? that's so... I was like 10 years old, and I was like, now that's strange. <laughs> and he got a kidney, and he did get a kidney stone, I think, later that year. So you gotta hydrate. Yeah, a lot of, I don't think, um, I, I feel like we've had this conversation, but maybe not. I don't think I've seen my dad drink a glass of water. My dad doesn't drink water. Mm. Um, and I, a lot of, I've noticed you do drink water. Manuel drinks water. I have water with me right now, taking a sip. My friend Mac drinks water. Um, We're all trying to break the toxic masculinity, <laughs> you know. Your, uh, your wife, Trisha, famously uh berates me for not drinking enough water mm -hmm. which i've internalized sure. and has now become uh something uh an internal character trait of mine that i grapple You're with all the time which is why i'm drinking coca-cola zero there we go <laughs> i do you know the golfer john daly have you ever heard about him he like yes. smokes cigarettes and he's <laughs> yeah. i think he he won like two majors he was a very good golfer, but he was like, I did not, I've like never drank a glass of water, like in my life. <laughs> do you um, feel parched frequently? Yes, I do. I'm thirsty all the time. When I went backpacking with Mitch in the Sierras, I think it was in like summer 2018. I was so, or the last day I remember it was absolutely brutal. And coming down off the mountain, I was so, so thirsty, so thirsty. And like the, the thirstiest I've ever been in my life. And all I wanted was Coca-Cola. I remember the first really? stop we went to a gas station. And I got a 16 ounce can of Coca-Cola, ice cold wow. Coca-Cola. Didn't and go it was the water. I wanted Satisfying? Oh, it was incredible. Yeah. But do you have any of those moments in your life like that where you were like so hungry and the food tasted so good? Do you have any memories like that? Core memories? No core memories that I can think of. Right now I'm kind of full. I had pizza for lunch and I'm still kind of full mm. from that. So, okay. it you know, sometimes it's hard to access those kinds of memories if they're impeded by present by your sensations. current situation. Yeah. yeah. I remember one time I was starving. I think I helped somebody move and we went to the <laughs> Apple Pan and I got a cheeseburger and their cheeseburgers are sizable. I got mm -hmm. a cheeseburger and fries, ate it, and I said, "I want another cheeseburger." Got another cheeseburger, ate it, and I said, "I want a piece of pie." Ate a piece of pie. And I've never eaten that much. And it was so delicious. I was so hungry. I don't, I, it was like something came over me. I, and I'd, you didn't feel, how did you feel after? Did you feel fine? Or did I you think feel I felt content? like absolute shit, but oh. I felt content <laughs> in a way. Um, because I'm not a big eater. I can't eat that much, but that mm. was very exciting. I could eat quite a bit. I mean, there's definitely been times where I have bitten to a piece of steak where it just like everything felt like it was in its right place in the world. Like everything was that, coming like, together in that. Boat. Yeah. 
had that nice, tender piece of beef. Just Speaking place it of on the tongue, and it was just it dissolved on the tongue. We know so... how eating works, Patrick. <laughs> we I, speaking of steak, though, I was in LA last week, and I had steaks with our good pal Sean Ortega. I'm not <gasps> bleeping his name anymore. He's been unbleeped. <laughs> um, you know he came to Las Vegas. Did he debrief you he on did. our? Uh, he debriefed together? me. Good. Yes, but he was very obsessed with the fact that at his hotel. He had drank one of the smart waters off the mini bar. <laughs> was it $9? <laughs> and no, but he went out to a convenience store and replaced the exact type of smart water <laughs> in the mini bar. And he was incensed <laughs> that they charged him for the water. And he's like on the phone with the hotel. And he's like, and they charged me for the peanut M&Ms. I only, we only moved the peanut M&Ms and eat the peanut M&Ms. And he's like on the phone while I'm like, I haven't seen him in months. And he's on the phone with like the concierge over at the hotel, wherever he stayed. She's like, I didn't drink the water. The water is there. And I was like, Sean, but you did drink it and replace it. And he's like, yeah, but they don't know that. They must have some sort of digital scale they do. on the mini bar. And then, he came to my hotel room when I was checking it at the Hollywood Roosevelt where I was staying and he was inspecting my mini bar and he was like, no scale on this. You're fine. If you want to drink the water and then replace it tomorrow. I was like, you're a madman. You are insane. <laughs> and I told him next time you have to do, if you want to do something like that, you need to have like an Indiana Jones style <laughs> trade off with the water. Cause you can't just remove it and then try to replace right, it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Las Vegas, I don't know how many hotels have installed this technology, but it's all this sort of scale technology where even if you pick something up to inspect it to sort of uh, <laughs> ascertain whether or not you would like to, yeah. <laughs> to procure the product. You touch it, you buy it. You touch it, you buy it. <laughs> My dad's my dad used to have to go to Las Vegas all the time for like insurance conventions. And he was saying all the hotels, he was like, there's a lot of times signs that say, like, if you touch it, you will be charged. Yeah, like, there are so. certain certain places are are better about indicating as much other places. I think they want to keep you in the dark to me. That seems so that just seems I mean, I guess they're banking on a lot of people not noticing and seeing the charge and not caring. But Gosh, it's very inconsiderate of these hotel operators for their frontline staff that have to deal with it the Shans of the world. With the Shans of the world, but it is equally insane. Just the amount of work, like how much does Sean make an hour at his job that he went out to in a convenience store to find the exact type of water bottle <laughs> to replace it on the bar cart. It's just <laughs> madness, I think. Oh, um, my God. I was really good about getting uh, water beforehand so i didn't have to get any I, I did i did hydrate in las vegas not as much as i should have but i did do some hydration um but yeah i saw sean we ate at taylor's steakhouse that was great oh, i had drinks with luce that night as well at our oh, bar and lovely. there was some horrible open mic comedy going on there Oof. but we still had a good time <laughs> and uh did you I know saw, that was that was no, going on <laughs> went to father's office and had burgers with dan pat and <gasps> pat o'brien and tom myers and oh, that was my a blast gosh. so yeah, I, did, I had some, I was good. But you know, it was interesting being back in LA. I was like, this does not feel like home. Oh, really? And that was an odd feeling for me. What was your nostalgia level? Low. Really? I felt, I felt like a stranger in oh, a strange Very interesting. Land. Isn't that odd? I don't know what to make of that. I feel odd about it. I don't really like that. I thought I, I was going to be like swimming in nostalgia while mm -hmm. I was there. And that was just not the case. I will say I have on my my 
past few times visiting San Diego, that's been actually very similar to my feeling too. I wonder if it's the fact that I lived there for so long. It, and maybe it'll take a few years for me I think to it's going to take a few years. Yeah. I feel nostalgic for like my 20s, like my youth, but I don't really feel nostalgic for the place yet. So maybe mm. it'll take a few years, but I was surprised it wasn't more immediate. It was yeah. kind of nice though, in a way too. I was like, oh, Minneapolis is my home mm-hmm. through and through. I totally identify with that. I think I think it'll just take some time. I mean, I only I lived in LA for I think five years total. And that's um, insane. That was only five years. Yeah, maybe six, six at most. It was tw- that's really disturbing to me. I consider you like an LA boy. Yeah. I and you're really, not. that's a very kind thing to say. I appreciate that. I like to think I'm an that- LA boy. In some ways. You know the city pretty well. You probably know it better than me now. You keep little tabs. <laughs> I don't know. It's been so long since since I lived there, and it's been a long time since I visited, too. The last time I visited was, um, gosh, when was the last time I visited? I think October. Was it when you visited, when you stayed with us? No. Uh, stayed at Justin's ago. place. So it was October 2022, I think it was. Oh, okay. Was the last time okay. I was there. That's not that long. So it's been a but little anyways, bit over a year. Uh, yeah, fun to be back in LA though. Great. And uh, Taylor Steakhouse did not disappoint. That was really fun. I still and... had never been. You uh, are not as much of a fan after the remodel, right? Well, I had never been. Well, here's the thing I haven't been there since the remodel. So we ate in the bar area, which was not remodeled at all. The remodeling is upstairs. I didn't even look at it. Sean was like, You got to check it out. And I forgot, but <laughs> it's fine. Taylor Steakhouse is good. I wouldn't say it's, it's like a classic. Old timey steakhouse. Right. Yeah. It's a holds a special place in our heart. It scratches obviously. the itch, but it's not like a place where you would say this is you gotta go if you want the best steak in town. I think Musa and Frank's is my favorite in LA. Did you go it. this time or no? No, I didn't, even though I was just up the street. I did walk on Hollywood Boulevard a little bit because mm-hmm. my hotel is on Hollywood Boulevard. And I was like, This is scary. I do not like it down here. It's frightening <laughs> and weird. And I hate it. Sounds like Hollywood Boulevard. <laughs> yes. Oh, Patrick, what else is there? I uh, Should we get to our letterbox rundown? We have so much to discuss today. Yeah. Uh, the Before we get the letterbox rundown, yes. a couple... What are you doing for Christmas, for the holidays? What are you doing? Hanging with the fam. Okay. No, nothing of note. Okay. Nothing of note. You're on uh, vacation from work. Yes. Uh, oh, uh, what did you, did you do anything of note this weekend? Or were you in LA this weekend? No, that was last week. Okay. I was there during. What did you do this week? Last week during the weekend, what did I do? Oh, nothing. I it was very. Uh, oh, I did chill. want to clear the air with you. I texted you about Mullins, and I was not doing that to troll you. I actually. Oh, I saw that much later, and I just didn't respond. Okay. You were asking about Nick Mullins. It felt like a tr- total troll job. I was I don't really anxious. That, that... I don't believe that you thought that that wasn't a Here, fucking troll job. Here's the context. Nick Sammy, Mullins was the backup quarterback for the Vikings, and he looked horrendous, in my opinion. But anyways, and we lost. Sammy Lawboy texted the Cousins Brothers thread, Nick Mullins sucks. And yes. so I went to you and said, does Nick Mullins, or I said, do you like Nick Mullins? There you go. You knew he sucked, and you asked if <laughs> I liked Nick Mullins. I don't like Nick Mullins. Uh, the Vikings are not good this year. Are they and... eliminated from playoff contention? No, no, no. I think oh, they okay. could potentially make the playoffs, but they're just not good. They have clawed their way back to mediocrity, starting the year very badly. And mm. Kirk Cousins, our quarterback, is out for the year. What happened to him? I didn't know that. 
He tore his ACL, much like Aaron Rodgers, like six games ago. So oh, we've shit. we've started four different quarterbacks this year. <laughs> so it's been a little bit difficult. Nick Mullins. Su- so you knew he sucked, and yet you texted me. <laughs> I didn't know. Oh, he do you sucked. like him? I, I didn't know he sucked. Yes, was, you did. Your cousin said Nick Mullins sucks. He sucked, said you know, he sucks. Mullins. That doesn't mean that he does. He does. I inquired with you to see if maybe I could get a different perspective. Total troll job. <laughs> it was not a troll job. Total troll job. I did something one of the nights, and I I can't. Oh, Shane's birthday! We celebrated. Oh, my Shane, yeah, Shane's Shaney. birthday. He's thirty years old. Thirty years old. Nice. Um. Yeah, it was good. It was fine. What yeah. about you, Patrick? What else is going on with you? This is. This feels like it's fizzling out, and we should get to the litter box. It's ki- it's kind of fizzling out, but uh, we got my uh, my parents got us um, like a professional sort of I don't know if professional is the right word, but like a big griddle, like oh like a, cool, like a, like a flat like for top pancakes. Mm-hmm. You could like do some smash top. burgers on that, dude. Yeah, so we did on Friday latkes and for the last night of Hanukkah and some smash burgers. Things turned out spectacularly well. Love that. Uh, and then went to a fun. Um, our uh, hairstylist, Finus, uh, he is a, his drag persona is Christine King, and she hosted a show down south of Austin in Buda, a holiday drag show that was that was really fun. So we you get your haircut Saturday. from this person? Yes. Well, I just started getting my haircut from him, Finus Plow. Oh, wow. Yeah. Highly recommend if you're in the Austin area. Fabulous. Yeah. Drag shows are fun. We went to a Taylor Swift drag show. Oh, that sounds fun. A few months ago. Did they sing? Did they lip sync or did they sing? Lip sync. Okay. Yeah. They were very good. There were several Taylor Swifts. I'm not going to say anything negative about Taylor Swift on this podcast, but I did know all the songs that they did, and it was fun. (laughs) I'll be be happy to say a lot of negative things about Taylor Swift. I don't care for her. You don't care for her. I find her interesting. I I think think she's the the stranglehold she has. The stranglehold she has on culture is insane. That's not her. That's the phenomenon is interesting. She is not interesting. Yeah, but that's what in it in and of itself is interesting. And I hate, not hate, I like pop music, but I'm always like, oh, this is really catchy. Who is this? And I'm like, damn, it's that damn Taylor Swift. She got me again in her cobweb of pop mastery. I don't know. I'm so skeptical. There's something insidious there. Uh, insidious. The Swifties are going to come and chop your fucking head off. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. I'm sure they're all listening to this. Yeah. I'm sure we. I'm sure a large contingent of our listeners. The Venn diagram of Taylor Swift heads and fart heads is a circle. <laughs> She's like the most famous person in our lifetime. She's yeah. like up there with like Michael Jackson. Yeah, I mean you're probably right. As much as I don't like to concede that. Well, what do you think? I think Beyonce might be. What about Beyonce? No. You think Taylor Swift is bigger? Oh yes, I do. I guess her her recent concert film was was a pretty significant they're, cultural they're event. They're similar in popularity, but I think Taylor is she's more ubiquitous than Beyonce. Who would you rather have dinner with? Honestly, they both seem like unpleasant people to have dinner. <laughs> Like, I don't think, like, Beyonce seems, like, so serious. I don't think that would be fun. Mm -hmm. And I have no sense of Taylor's personality whatsoever. I think she would need a software upgrade in between each bite. What would we talk about? I don't know. You'd have to to talk to the programmers. What's our (laughs) cross-reference, you know? 
you would have to you would have to feed her all sorts of data prior to your meeting. I'm not convinced she's I a real person. I think she's a supercomputer. She yeah. would she would she would know I feel like she'd be like, "So, what did you think of Fanny and Alexander?" <laughs> Have you have you heard these articles about ChatGPT kind of eating itself? Like there's so much AI nonsense like out in the internet that like all these large language learning models are like training themselves on other no, large language learning models and so they're kind of like starting to like spit out all the same nonsense. That's interesting. It's very fascinating. I'm not afraid of the AI revolution yet. I'm not afraid of it. I just I don't I don't I'm not keen on it and I think people are I, I hate the uh, the prevalence of these sort of AI deepfake videos. Yeah, I agree. Wes Anderson doesn't like them either. No. Because <laughs> no. Uh, they kept doing that. They kept doing Wes Anderson <laughs> style things. There's also all of these uh, really bizarre videos I've seen on the internet of like celebrities singing songs, you know, that they didn't yes. sing and doing dances that they haven't done. It's and really, they look, yeah. they look really bizarre. It's unsettling. Patrick, I want to move on to the little box run. Right, yeah, this tires let's, me. Let's move. The AI is telling me to move on. <laughs> okay. uh, Patrick, please, you go first. I had a, I had kind of a stinky month. All of these movies I'm looking at, I'm like, ooh, pathetic. Uh, mine's pretty good, I think. Um, let me pull it up here. Please. Uh, okay. Zone a of professional interest. professional podcaster would have had that ready. You saw Zone of Interest? Yes, I did. It was a special screening. Is it screening. out? It's no. a special screening? Yeah, it was a special screening at Austin e- Film Society. And it was actually free. And I'm going to call out one of our fart heads here who has now become a good friend of mine, Jake. Uh, Jake is also an Austin Film Society member. And he could have gone to the screening. It was free for members. He could have gone. But Wednesday night is his game night. And he could not break that commitment. Which part of me mm. does admire. Part of me thinks... His fealty should be to cinema. Uh-huh. I'm not going to judge. What games? Is this Dungeons and Dragons we're talking about here? Um, board games? Board Several games, board yeah. Games? I think that that kind of, of game, yeah. Which mm. sounds fun to me. I think mostly I'm just kind of jealous. So it's an opportunity for me to kind of work through my feelings with okay. you right now. Uh, but anyways, it was fantastic. It's, I think, number two or three on my top ten of the year. Um, I think it'll be coming out more broadly in January. I want to um, see it. So I feel like I got to see that. Uh, when we got back from Las Vegas after the wedding, of course, had to rewatch Showgirls. Got um, to, to because get inspired. I needed to. I was missing, you know, even though I think we stayed in Vegas probably like twelve to twenty-four hours, a little too long. Mm-hmm. Um, you almost got sucked in. Permanently. Almost got sucked in, but there was still a little bit of uh, nostalgia for those neon lights, and I needed, I needed my fix. So we watched Showgirls. Sure. I saw the Nick Cage movie Dream Scenario. It was okay. Um, rewatched Home Alone. Great. Rewatched the original 1974 Black Christmas, which is love, an absolute classic. Love. Same director as Christmas Story. I'm sure you knew that. Yes. I find that interesting. Uh, which was, Leah has never seen Christmas Story, so maybe we'll watch it. Neither has Trisha. We're going to watch that this year. Yeah. Really? Cool. I, I do like A Christmas Story, but it's, you know... What cha- I think it was either TBS, TBS or TNT. Yeah, would do. It would play 24 like hours. twenty four hours, like every day. I don't day. like that they did that. It cheapened it. It did cheapen it, and there was so much more value in a yes. Christmas story, and it stripped it. My mom special. never liked us watching that movie because she was like, "What's the moral of this story?" 
And I'm like, mother, shut up. <laughs> I think there's kind of a moral. I think the moral is kind of your, he, he's, it's a coming of age tale and he's kind of learning about who his parents really are and. That's not it. Shut up. That, this, in a way. It, it is funny, though, that the whole movie is like, I got to get my red rocket, right, a rocket uh, rifle. And then he gets it, almost shoots his eye out. And then he's like, oh, forget it. I don't want to play with that anymore. And then there's a few other scenes after that. And it's kind of like, well, I don't know. It's just sort of a funny thing. And yeah. I think maybe in the end, the the you know, the lesson is like, you don't need the gift. The gift of Christmas is the friends you made along the way or whatever, you know, yeah. it's like your family. Or, you know, your dad is, your parents are fallible beings. That was my takeaway. I don't like that. <laughs> my mommy and daddy aren't fallible. They're perfect. <laughs> uh, continue, Patrick, please. Uh, Alexander Payne's The Holdovers with Paul Giamatti. Saw that. How was it? Um, pretty good. Um, it was better. I remember uh, Lee and I were talking about watching the trailer. It looked absolutely in my opinion, it looked awful watching the trailer. It was like... Man, I had a different read. I thought it looked incredible. Really? I thought yeah. the trailer looked so stupid. This looked like uh, by-the-numbers, like, canned jokes. Like, speaking of AI, it felt like an AI-generated sort of movie. Um, but it was better than that. The script, I, th- I still thought, was pretty weak, but I liked the movie overall. Uh, rewatch Silent Night, Deadly Night, which you will recall we saw some number of years ago at the Egyptian cinema together. Did we see that a part as part of Beyond Fest, or was that just a separate fun thing? It was like a Beyond Fest. It was around Christmas time, so it wasn't an official Beyond Fest, but it was like a Beyond Fest presents. Sort I of feel thing. like we saw that around the same time that we saw the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. With Elias. we may have, we've seen it twice together. I'm pretty Silent sure. Silent Night, Deadly Night. Or- I think. Silent Night, Deadly Night. I think we've seen it twice together. I know we've seen it at least once together. We've seen it once. I can't remember. Anyways, continue. Uh, And then the last two, watch Poor Things, which I loved. It's my favorite film of the year so far. Um, And then... There's something keeping me from wanting... I don't know if I want to see that. I'm kind of over Yorgos. Oh, really? Yeah. Did you not like like the favorite? Or what's... Tell me your thought process. I thought it was good, but I didn't love it. Hmm. Okay. I don't know. Yeah, I don't agree with you, but I appreciate... Killing of a Sacred Deer I thought was good. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm, I'm over it. I'm over it. He's dead. He's dead to me. I don't know. <laughs> okay. So you don't think you'll see it? I feel like you have to know. see it, especially for our Oscars episode. It's going to be nominated yeah, for a lot I'll of stuff. Yeah, I'll see it. Of course I'll see it. Okay, good. I and... have a duty to cinema, unlike <laughs> our friend Jake, who just <laughs> throws away his responsibilities willy-nilly. <laughs> well, in Jake's defense... Uh, every time I text him to see something, he's already seen it. So he, mm. the only thing that I think I have on him right now is the zone of interest. Everything else I'll text him and be like, hey, you want to go see this? And he's seen I it. See. So uh, he has an impressive record overall. Uh, and then the last thing, um, we were going to watch a Christmas another Christmas horror movie, but decided on something else. We watched, uh, Leah had never seen Brian De Palma's The Untouchables, ah. uh, which, is, which is a fun, classic gangster movie. I've never seen it either. It's great. It's, you know, it's kind of got De Palma's like sort of, he has kind of like a sleazy cheesiness in some of yeah. his films. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I have something to say about that with my letterbox rundown, actually. Oh, so. okay, cool. Uh, yeah, so I, I still love The Untouchables. It is even, I hadn't seen Untouchables since I was probably 18, so mm. about 16 years ago, maybe even younger than that. 
and uh, I really loved it at the time, and I loved I loved it again. It's it's a fantastic movie, but it is um, <laughs> it's you know it's got his trademark cheesiness. <laughs> Uh, so that's 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 my rundown. What do you got, Case? Okay, so we watched this movie called... I was like, I'm not going to like this. But I did like it. It's called The Ref with Dennis Leary and Kevin Spacey. Oh, my I God, this yeah. Stupid. I've seen that. I own that I on DVD. Fun. I thought it was fun. <laughs> I thought it was funny. funny. <laughs> Made us yeah. laugh. And I was like, I thought it was going to be more schmaltzy or something, but it's not. It's just funny. Mm-hmm. So I enjoyed that. I enjoyed that the mother in Mary Poppins is... Kevin Spacey's mother in the movie. How did you um, stumble across this? Because I remember... I don't know. (laughs) Trisha found it on a list of Christmas movies or something. When I was um, getting into movies a long, long time ago, when I was like 13 or 14, I remember there was this guy, his name was Bill Strauss, and uh, his son played on my baseball team, and he was into movies too, and Bill loved the movie The Ref. He he thought it was the funniest movie. He actually bought it for me on DVD. He saw it like Best Buy one time and bought it for me. Oh, because he nice. thought of the ref was like the funniest movie he ever made, and I haven't seen it since then. So I haven't seen it since I was like fourteen, was fifteen years old. And I remember liking it, it fun. thinking it was funny. Cool. Duh, it is hard with movies like this because I was thinking, hmm, Kevin Spacey's a creep. <laughs> yeah, he sure in is. real life, <laughs> and he's not really a good person in this movie. So it's I don't know. I yeah, don't know, it was and Dennis but Leary's was... kind of a scumbag too. Isn't he known for stealing jokes? Yeah. I think he's famous for stealing people's jokes. He sure is, yeah. And he's that, remember he had that show on FX, Rescue Me, where he kind of played yeah. a shithead, and he had like well, gross hair. I remember. I did like his song "I'm an Asshole." Have you ever heard that song? Yeah, he's an asshole. He's an asshole. I did kind of like. That. <laughs> uh, okay, next up, body double Brian De Palma. Yes. Body double Patrick. I this is my favorite Brian De Palma movie. I <laughs> it's so good. Loved it, and I'm I love Rear Window and Vertigo. Like mm-hmm. I really love those movies, and this is such a send up of those movies. Yeah. And I loved Body. I'm double. so glad you liked. Loved. it. Did you recognize the chemosphere? Is that where they were? He was living. Yeah. Is that what that's called? Is that a real thing? Yeah, it's in Los Angeles. Yeah, you can. Wow. You can visit it. Yeah. Well, I don't know. If, I mean, I think someone actually lives there, but you can kind of. Incredible. Yeah. Incredible. I loved it. Oh, I'm I so think it, it might be. It's my favorite Brian De Palma movie. It's for fantastic. Sure. Actually, that might be my favorite De Palma too. If I, I just can thought it was so good, and you. it really like I don't know. It's it re- and it feels like a, it's like not obviously not a classic Hollywood movie, but it has feels of that. Where there's just these really long shots or yeah. like long scenes of not talking of him just following this woman. Yeah. Really good. It's a great movie. How did you decide to watch that one? How did we? I don't remember. We just wanted to. Uh, then we watched Death at a Funeral. You ever seen that movie? It was funny. I have not. It was funny. Uh, then I watched a few movies on the plane. Mm, okay. Uh, to and from. Los Angeles, mm-hmm. I watched a movie called Shortcomings. Have you ever heard of this movie? Mm-mm. So there, one of my favorite graphic novelists, Adrian Tomina, had a graphic novel called Shortcomings. Okay. And it is like, uh, it's it's kind of a comedy drama, indie type. I don't, it would have been a really big 90s movie, I feel like. 
Gotcha. It's uh, here's the plot synopsis. When his girlfriend leaves for New York City on a three month long internship, a strongly opinionated Berkeley art house movie theater manager begins exploring life as a bachelor. Hmm. And it's like an all Asian cast. They make fun of uh, Crazy Rich Asians a, a lot. It's directed by Randall Park. Oh, um, love Randall Park. Yeah, it got really bad reviews, but I really liked it, and I thought it was it was good. It wasn't as good as I think it could have been. Mm-hmm. Considering I love the graphic novel, but I thought the cast, it was all, I, it worked for me. So I enjoyed it. Cool. Um, yeah. And then on that same flight, I also watched She's All That, which is actually something I'd never seen all the way through. And that was fun. I I've never it. seen that. I've seen um, Not Another Teen Movie, which parodies. Uh, yes, that's She's not the all same that. film. Right. Um, <laughs> and then you. I watched Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, which I thought was fun. I thought it was fine. I'm not like. I don't hold Indiana Jones to be this like uh, sacred text that a lot of film people do. Mm. There are a lot of people I went to film school with who were like obsessed with Indiana Jones, yes, and they I love wore like describe these. the Indiana Jones hat around, and I was like, <laughs> "Oh God, you're so such a fucking creep." So I was like, "This was fine." I don't understand why these old weirdos are obsessed with de aging technology. It looks like shit. I don't know yeah, if you saw awful. this. Did you see this Indiana Jones, the new no, one? No, but I mean, it looks awful in The Irishman. It looks so, so terrible. It I looks mean, bad in I've this, too. It. And it's like, what are we doing? And I'm like, I know it's hard to like, if you're going to do flashback scenes, because a lot of flashback scenes, you can't really recast it. I understand that. But I'm just like, don't make the movie like that, then. Don't I mean, include- you kind of can recast it, though. I mean, look, in Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, they have River Phoenix play. I was thinking about that. But it's like we've seen, I don't know. It was just like, I, I, that stuff drove me. Cuckoo. Yeah. Uh, then another Christmas movie, Jack Frost. Not the Michael Keaton one, Ooh, the horror one. The horror I one. Mean, we were, we were going to watch that the night that we ended up watching Untouchables. I and fucking watching. loved it. I thought it was so good. I was like, this is really creative. Like, I feel yes. like they have so many like zany ideas. And it was like, it knew its tone immediately. Yeah. Like, it's like so stupid. <laughs> I loved it. I thought it was great. I couldn't oh, recommend I'm it I'm so enough. glad. I saw... That was one of the movies that... You know, when you're a kid, there are certain movies you would see the cover at the video store. Yes, and, and the cover of- is horrific. It looks... <laughs> so, they terrifying. need a better cover. It's so bad. It's, it's stupid. So bad. But I lo- as a kid, it scared me. As bad as it is, as a kid, I remember seeing it in the video store. But it's also... That's not what Jack Frost looks like in the movie. No, anyway. it's not. <laughs> It's not. Uh, but I went online after watching Silent Night, Deadly Night, and uh, was looking at other Christmas horror movies. And I was like, oh, Jack Frost, I forgot about this movie. And on Amazon, it was really cheap. So I bought it. It was like $10. And then apparently there's a sequel, a Jack Frost 2. Yes, directed, pla- written and directed by the same guy, and it has <laughs> yes. the same actors. So Did you see where it takes place? No. It takes place in Hawaii. And he, oh like, surfs my in it. god! Well, that was so funny watching this. Trish and I were like, "This was shot in L.A.," and it was a lot of it. And it was like so clearly not cold. Um, that I I I would see the sequel. Maybe oh, that'll good. be next. Yeah. Year. So I I bought them both. So hopefully Great. before uh, before we head off to New Orleans, I'd like to watch both of these Jack Frost movies with Leah because the um, first one is absolutely insane. 
but it's good. I th- I was like, it knew what it was doing. It didn't take itself seriously, and it had like so many zany ideas. I just appreciated the creativity, and it had it. some. It had some really good kills too. I it mean, did. And it yeah. had some genuinely disturbing scenes too. <laughs> yeah, I I thought it was like really well done. There's a lot of creative camera work. I thought, and it's that the guy who wrote and directed that. That's the only thing he ever did. Oh, also the lead actor in it. Yeah, he died a few years ago. He did in a. In an avalanche. No fucking way. I'm not. The lead actor that plays Jack Frost. No, not the guy who plays the Jack Frost. The guy who plays the guy battling Jack Frost, which is like fucked up. He's always battling snow, both in real life and in the movie. Uh, Let me see. Jack Frost. Were you just like on Wikipedia? I was just. Yeah, I was just. Yeah, as you do. I was looking at Wikipedia. Yeah. Christopher Alport. Oh, my God. He died in 2008 in a fucking avalanche. Can you believe that? How no. horrible. Where? In the United States and Canada? What? He's one of three men killed by three avalanches near the Mountain High Ski Resort in, near San Bernardino, California. Oh, Mount High? Oh, my God. Mountain High. Isn't that crazy? Yes, that is Ugh, nuts. Makes me sick. Oh, and he was so good. Sad. Wow. Yeah, it's sad. Anyways, that was my... Oh, then I saw Babes in Toyland, the Keanu Reeves version. Have you ever seen that movie? No, never Babes seen in that. Babes in Toyland with Drew Barrymore and Keanu Reeves. It oh, was like I saw... both of their first movie. <laughs> I saw you logged this, and I read one review from someone else that said it was like the ugliest looking movie they'd ever seen or something I, like this that. This is what I said. Uh, I like to think... This is my review. I said, I like to think of myself as a real student of low-budget film. I would say I have a passion and love for it, but this is the cheapest looking movie I've ever seen. It looks like absolute dog shit, <laughs> oh, which it did. It looked terrible. It would look, I was like, this is the worst looking movie I've ever seen. <laughs> Was it shot on video? No. <laughs> it just was so bad. Uh, anyways. Oh, my God. All right. Was it a fun it. time or no? Oh, yeah. I had a good time. Oh, this oh, is the okay. other thing. It was like a 95-minute runtime, which at that length felt too long. And then I looked online, and it was like, oh, actually, the original length of this movie is 145 minutes. No and I was fucking like, way. I was like, how For Babes in Toyland? Yes. I was like, they cut out a bunch of songs, apparently. But I was like, this felt too long already. What is this, Fanny and Alexander? <laughs> Segway! Let's move on to the movie! <laughs> is fart house we watch the artsiest fartsiest film so that you can pretend that you did which is why we're talking about fanny and alexander by ingmar bergman we're ing maniacs here did you look back and notice that we called our very first episode the seventh seal and the ing maniacs it's the <laughs> only episode that deviates from the film by funny? director no i didn't format. see that that is funny yeah <laughs> interesting yes our first episode ever the seventh seal Ingmar Bergman, I'm actually kind of surprised we haven't done another one since. He has so many good movies. Yeah, he does. I think we're on episode, I don't know, 118. 119. 119. So we've done a lot of movies since then, and this is the first time we're revisiting Ingmar Bergman. Pretty exciting. Crazy. Crazy, crazy, crazy. Well, Patrick, I have to ask you, (laughs) do you own this movie, and have you seen it before? I own it. I have this big, massive, beautiful Ingmar Bergman box set that Criterion put out. Three or four years ago. It's an extraordinary set. It's incredible. What movies uh, are on there? Uh, 39 of his movies. Jesus, I should get that. Yeah. Um, so it would take too long for me to list them all, but it's m- almost all of his major works. Yeah. Um, and it com- it's really, really cool. The way that it's set up is it's set up um, 
as if they were programming an Ingmar Bergman film festival. So there's <sighs> like, it comes with a big um, book too, with essays about each of the films. And there's like a programmer's note, which is kind of like a foreword. Uh-huh. Um, and she talks about how she decided the order of the movies. So like the movies in the set are in a particular order, not chronological order. So there's like an opening night. Yes, and then I there's could even like ones and then a I could even do night. this myself. I feel like like you could put like you know stranded on an island cabin together, like through a glass darkly and persona mm-hmm. and like hour of the hour wolf. Of the wolf. Those yeah. could be all together. And then there's like more religious texts like silent night. You could even put Fanny Alexander in that. Yep. Uh, yeah. I, I, I love this. That's yeah. such a good idea. So it was really cool. I got it some number of years ago during the criterion Barnes and Noble 50% off sale. So I own it. And this was my first time seeing it. So Amazing. I had not seen Fanny Alexander. It's now, in that sweet spot of movies. I own. Did you you watch the theatrical version? Yes, I did. We had a little bit. Of, well, I wouldn't say a back and forth because you didn't respond to me after I said that we should watch the television version. But oh, you, I thought that was a joke because I said I'm not watching the TV. Version. <laughs> you said that right off the bat. I kind of well, wanted to watch like the five TV hours. version. You should watch. I think it would be interesting to watch it. But I was just for the purposes of this show. I think it's fine to watch the theatrical version, which is over three hours long. Yeah. <laughs> and w- that version won the Academy Award for Best Foreign Film. Oh, I didn't know that. This won Best Foreign Language Film? This won four Academy Awards. Best this costume. won four Oscars? Yeah, won Best Foreign Film, which is called something different now, Best International. I think it's called Best, Best Foreign Language Film, okay. I think. It won that, Best and then it won costume know. design, it won set design, and it won cinematography. Wow. So this is a big, apparently it's funny. Cause I, I was at dinner with my family and I said, Oh, we're watching Fanny and Alexander. And my parents were both like, Oh, that was, that's a great movie. We saw that in theaters. That was a really big deal when that came out. Your so parents they, saw it in theaters. Yeah. Apparently it that's was so like cool. one of those, it's one of those ones that broke through, yeah. you know? Uh, so yeah. Um, you can kind of tell when watching it, that it does things are maybe cut a little short. Yes, you, know. you can definitely tell. I mean, it, and it does not, it doesn't, it's not working against it. It's, this isn't a criticism. And I would be curious if I didn't know if it was, if I didn't know it was a miniseries, maybe I would feel differently. But with that knowledge, it yes. is kind of easier to tell. Wow. We haven't had one of these in a while where you own it and you haven't seen it. <laughs> I know. I'm trying to I think of great. the last one <laughs> that it was. It's been a I while. I love that. Well, let, let me just give a very brief synopsis. Uh, the main character of this movie is Alexander. We actually don't get to hear Fanny say, she says like one or two words during this yeah, entire she has movie. almost no lines. <laughs> oh, excuse me. The main character is Alexander. And he. this takes place in 1907 in Sweden. And he is a part of this kind of theater family, theater royalty in Sweden. Um, and, but like a very rich, loving family. And the, First scene of the movie is all takes place. I think it's Christmas Eve. They're having a big Christmas party after their Christmas play at their like the theater the family owns and all is well. But uh, Alexander's father, who runs the theater, dies and it's very sad. And his young hot mother, who looks like uh, who's the woman from Game of Thrones? Amelia Clark. Amelia Clark, yeah, looks exactly. Yeah, she does like, look uh, like her. 
Khaleesi or the, Danny. Yeah, Danny. Khaleesi. The nerds call her Danny. The, Danny. The, plebe, the plebes call her Khaleesi, and then the nerds get all upset and say, no, it's Danny. And, and she's like, I got to remarry. For some reason, even though she seems wealthy and didn't need to, but she wants to remarry, and she has fallen in love with the bishop. Which seems who predatory. Well, I mean, she's like a grown woman. Seems so. predatory. He was her like spiritual guider through her hard times and they fell in love and they're getting married. And Alexander and Fanny, they're like, what the fuck? <laughs> they have to move into his castle and he's like, here are the rules of this house. We, we prioritize austerity and plainness and you will not have any toys or fun and the mother's like cool 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 this all sounds great yeah we won't bring any of our clothes or books or toys or furniture to your new house we'll just li live like peasants inside your walls like prisoners <laughs> and alexander and fanny fucking hate it and the bishop sucks and uh do they get out of this little i don't know situation well gotta check out the movie to see um patrick one thing that I was struck by with this movie, Ingmar Bergman, most of his movies that he made, black and white. Mm -hmm. This movie, vibrant color. Very it was such vibrant. a colorful, beautiful film. And it's kind of impressive because he's older, you know, when he made this. And apparently his diaries on set were released in 2006, mm -hmm. like his on-set diaries. And he was constantly like, I'm never going to finish this movie. I have no talent. Like, I don't think I can do this. This movie's too big. And he can't, and he became a super hypochondriac on set, apparently. He, did? he was very worried about illness. And it's just oh, interesting because I'm like, you made like a hundred movies and yeah. we're like the toast of international cinema. And yet he's still like, I don't know if I can do it. So it made me feel good. I'm like, that never goes away, I guess. Yeah. You just always have that. Even <laughs> yeah, Ingmar Bergman. You never kick that feeling. Yeah. This was his last, um, theatrically released movie i believe at least the last one that was i mean it was made for tv in sweden but then was yeah. released theatrically internationally and i think this was kind of like in a sense i think this was kind of a swan song you know he yeah. went on to direct plays and make movies for he Swedish wasn't that but... old i mean he was old i think he was in his 60s yeah because when did this come out 82 yeah 82 and he would have been 65 yeah old. and i think he died in 2007 so i mean it was a long time before he Died I just think about like Martin Scorsese or those other old fucks that are like crazy about making movies. I yeah. mean, they don't think it doesn't look like he's going to stop anytime soon. But. No, nor like I feel like, you know, Ridley Scott, Michael Mann, Martin Scorsese. Like, I think they just want to yeah. keep going as, Scorsese, as we've talked about on this podcast, too. Like they have Martin Scorsese is articulated. He just has so much more he wants to say and so much more he wants to explore. It so, seems like it's for easier for them now than when they were young men for some reason. Even though it's like very taxing making a movie, it seems like they're less affected by the movie making process. It seems like they're able to just pump these out really mm -hmm. easily now. I think they can probably, I mean, I think it's still hard maybe to get the of budgets Of course it's hard, they want. but I just think, yeah, but it's just, it's less taxing or something. Yeah, I think it's hard to get the budgets they want, but like they can still find money to do certain things. And I think they attract such high quality talent in every other aspect of filmmaking that that probably yeah. makes the process a little bit easier. Like they have like, like legends in each, like, you know, in cinematography and set design and music in every aspect of filmmaking that, you know, that probably helps reduce the burden a little bit. There was a clip of Ridley Scott's 
commentary on the movie Prometheus, which is a movie I really like. And I like Prometheus too. But there, in the commentary on that, he was like, you know, it fucking pisses me off. I'll be directing films. He's like, I've got many films in the National Library of Congress or whatever that's called. You know, the, what is that called? Library uh, of Congress, yeah. Yeah. He's like, I've got several films there. And even to this day, I'll be directing something and someone will be like, why are you doing that? What are you doing that for? Don't do that. I wouldn't do it that way. Why are you doing it like that? It's fucking annoying. Everybody's always asking me, what, why are you doing it like that? It's like, I don't get the benefit of the doubt. I made all these fucking movies. And it's like, everybody's a fucking idiot. And he's like going off. I don't know. It was just, he's it was nice to hear. Prometheus commentary? Yeah. Yeah. And he, I was like, it made me feel good because it's like, I feel like people are always like, why are you doing that? Well, yeah. I wouldn't do it like that. Why? That's crazy that you're doing it that way. Like, and it's just such an irritating thing to hear. Yeah. Anyways, I thought that was funny. I love that. That's a great little nugget. Anyways, back to Fanny and Alexander. Patrick, how did this, uh, how would you rank? Do you have a favorite Ingmar Bergman film? Where does this movie rank with them? Well, this uh, revealed, so I actually have seen not too many Ingmar oh, Bergman movies. Then uh, how dare you say you're an Ingmaniac? Well, I mean, I've seen Wild Strawberries, okay, Persona, so have I. Uh-huh. Hour of the Wolf, sure, Seventh Seal, Yes. Virgin Spring. Uh-huh. Uh, and this, and I think that might be it. You haven't seen Through a Glass Darkly? No, that's a, that's another one that I own. have not seen. Same with Winterlight, Silence. Have you haven't seen Winterlight? I, I think I said Silent Night earlier. I think it's just uh, called The Silence, right? There is The Silence, yes. Is that there also not. Silent Night? No. Oh. I think I said Silent Night instead of Winter's Light. Mm, mm. Is that what that is? I think it's just Winter Light. Winter light? That one's I'm not good. sure, but uh, Todd Haynes uh, mentioned uh, a shot from that specifically that he stole from for May December at the Q and A. which I thought was really either. cool. Yeah, I think you're gonna like it. I'm looking forward to seeing May Me December. Too. I think I will too. He in the Q and A uh, he references how it's very much influenced by Persona, uh, uh, and a specific shot from Winter Light he took um, to use in, in May December. So it is crazy. Cool. I'm looking at all these movies, the Ingmar Bergman movies, and I'm like, I've seen a ton of Ingmar Bergman movies. I've seen, yeah, you've like, definitely I've seen, seen way more than me. But not that many more than you. I've seen oh. The Silence, and I've seen Through a Glass Darkly, and I've seen s- Scenes from a Marriage, and I have seen... Uh, have you seen Cries and Whispers? Uh, no, I haven't. Yeah, me neither. So I remember I'm Charles like, Babinski, our, our uh, educator at Intelligentsia. Educator. So. Yes, thank you. Educators. So, so that Charles. was a devastating film, I remember. Oh, shut up, Charles. <laughs> uh, well, I, in my mind, I'm like, I've seen a bunch of his movies, but he has so many movies. It's yeah, insane. He has tons. Yeah, it's wild. And because there was like a period of time where I was like really into Ingmar Bergman in film school, and I felt like I was watching a new movie of his every week. Yeah, but it was I, weird I, when I, I had looked... to scratch the surface. Yeah, when I've I looked at his filmography, too. I felt like I had seen more, and I was like, I actually haven't seen that many. But yeah. it's, it's a testament to his potency. Either so that potent. or a, a testament to my, I don't know. We could make our own myself. podcast. <laughs> our, we could make our own podcast just on Ingmar Bergman movies. Yeah, we could. And it could be called The Ingmaniacs. All right. Sign me up. Mm, you I want to do that? I want a different co-host. Um, <laughs> who, would, who would you go with? Who would I go with? Why not Charles Babinski? What he, he's doing? He doesn't work for any coffee companies anymore. Does no, he? I just saw on his Instagram. Uh, this is this is uh, breaking hey, news. Hey, Charles Babinski <laughs> was the guy who trained us 
at Intelligentsia Coffee to like make coffee. He was like a coffee scientist. He taught us how to do latte art and he taught us how to like pull espresso shots. He taught us everything about being a like a high end barista and his and his role at the company was educator. Educator. He was yeah. an educator. That it sounds like Nazi title. Germany. <laughs> that was his actual title. It's insane. <laughs> Absolutely insane. And the things he would like ding you on, it's like, oh, your wrist is just a little too like limp when you're pouring that pour over coffee. Or like, it's like he was so like uh, on every little detail. It was Do you just remember? unreal. Did he ever have you? I would, there would be times where I would make a, like, not just in practice, you know, behind closed doors, but on the floor, live, doing a latte for a real-life customer, and my Rosetta was off, and he'd tell me to dump it. Yeah, we had to dump out an entire latte if the the, the art didn't look good. Yeah, if the art right. didn't look good. So, like, like perfectly good espresso and oh, milk. Oh, it, it would taste the literally exact yeah. same. But <laughs> it it's like the art wouldn't, wasn't right. Yeah, yeah, they were crazy, and... I can't even explain to you. I don't really want to go down this rabbit hole now, but there's <laughs> there was a whole training matrix in how to like start as a dishwasher and become like the ultimate barista. There's like 16 levels. There was like 16 levels and but like to actually complete this matrix would have taken like 10 years. <laughs> and so in, in order to go from like dishwasher to like person who is working as a barista would have taken like three years, which is insanity. <laughs> and the only way you could get, I think you would get a 25 cent raise at each level. I think it was, yes. which, you know, it was his pride and joy. It was crazy, <laughs> but it's also like, Oh, we need more. What would always end up happening is like, hey, we're kind of out of baristas. <laughs> Let's just turnover. <laughs> yeah, because it was like coffee shop. And it's like, well, so-and-so is only at stage two in the Matrix. Can we actually bump them up? And it's like, yeah, we just got to like, like it never worked in practice. No, never. I don't, I think Tyler Madden, I think got the highest and he maybe made it to like the fourth or fifth level was like in the yeah, highest. Yeah, there was the like history. sixteen levels. But yeah, literally so sixteen crazy. levels. Which uh, that kind of reminds me. Did you happen to log on to the Discord and see that I posted our notes from our donut yes, shop? Yes, I ID? did. Yes. <laughs> Incredible. So, folks, if you remember last episode, we talked about notes from a donut shop we were thinking of creating back in two thousand. This was peak intelligentsia time. <laughs> peak we intelligentsia right. times. We posted them on the Discord. If you're interested. Seeing these ridiculous notes, oh which I don't know why you would be, but I think some people found it fascinating. I thought it was funny. Uh, um, can... <laughs> anyways, back to Fanny and Alexander. <laughs> to um, Fanny and Alexander. We we kind of covered the Ingmar Bergman. I would say Persona is my favorite Ingmar Bergman mo movie, and I also love Through a Glass Darkly. Yeah, a lot. Um, I would say Persona is probably my favorite. It's probably my favorite too. This is up there though. This is a close. Yeah, this number is up two. there. Um. What do you think of it as a Christmas movie? I think it's a great Christmas movie. There is something that um, I was thinking a lot about during the movie and reflecting on after the movie. And um, so it's a th it's over three hours, this movie. It's very long. And a lot of it is close to an hour is just the Christmas festivities of the Eckhart. I think that's what it is. Eckhart. Is that what their name is? Let me look that up right now. But yes, most of it is the festivities of Ekdal. Ekdal, thank you. The Ekdal family. And um, it's relatively inconsequential from like a narrative 
standpoint in terms of like propelling the plot forward but it made me it reminded me a lot of the wedding sequence in the deer hunter which i remember when i first saw the deer hunter when i was like 16 uh the deer hunter sequence is very very long uh, the the wedding sequence in the deer hunter it's like probably like get to the russian get to the some blood (laughs) exactly i thought this was supposed to be a war film exactly case exactly and i found it to be very extraneous and superfluous at the time Sure. But in watching this, and I, I've seen The Deer Hunter since that first viewing, but especially in watching this, it made me have a whole new appreciation for what this kind of sequence is doing. It's really, it's lulling you kind of into this sense of safety, sort of, or like it, it's really kind of immersing you in a very particular world and the associated it feels so comfy cozy yes so like you're just like i and it makes you feel like christmas as a child it's like this is endless and beautiful and fun and warm and comfortable yep it's so joyous and it's so bright all is merry and bright case Mm -hmm. all is it was truly (laughs) uh although i did wonder you know, now that we have, now that we're in 2023, we have smartphones, we have TVs, we mm-hmm. have all of the modern gadgets. Yeah. Uh, I was thinking, you know, they dance throughout the house in this kind of like extended hands clasped, yes. not a conga line, but you know, the whole family's dancing. Yes. I can't think of any circumstances under which I would ever want to do that. But I was thinking maybe that's because we have all these other distractions now. Would you want to dance with your family now throughout the house? Now or as a child? Either. I wouldn't like that as a child. Oh, either. I would like that as a child. It would have been dancing and merry. Yes. We you would like of... to hold I I didn't like holding hands as a child. I didn't like no, holding I, hands. I didn't I had no problem with that. Huh. I can't relate to what you're saying one iota, my friend. I'm you sorry. know what that reminds me. What? Uh I've had multiple people say their floss did not smell after I insisted that floss smells. And so that yes. really What's that going was on with your significant, body? significant blowback. I've had multiple people who smelled their floss I... after I instructed all of our listeners to smell their floss after yes. doing so. If and they have said it's just I'm just imagining you starting some sort of cult, trying to be the cult leader, and people follow your instructions and then but really question you. Yeah, I'm like trying and, to, to, like, don't you all realize a lot of blowback. Haven't you all ever experienced this? And everyone's kind of looking at each other. Uh, You're like, we've all experienced this, I'm quite sure. <laughs> and um, there's a couple nods, and then like a couple hours later, they circle. Yeah. <laughs> no, actually, it's, it's pretty foreign. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, I didn't uh, like, I don't like, I remember in um, in church, I didn't like the peace be with you, where you had to shake I hands. Liked, I, I couldn't wait for the peace be with you. You couldn't wait for the peace be with hands. you? I yeah, hated the peace be with you. That was the party part of church. <laughs> this is so funny. This is hilarious. Yeah, oh, so, okay, so I guess you would have loved the dancing around this opulent uh, something has to be understood about this movie this movie is entirely from alexander's point of view and there are surreal and fantastical elements but as a child surreal and fantastical things happen from mm-hmm. your viewpoint as a child so the very beginning of the movie he sees a statue moving and dancing oh, yes. it's never explored again but that is the mind of the child things are not as they seem mm-hmm. things can be seen and not really be there it's all fantastical and so this is extra happy and joyous because it is from alexander's 
POV. Yes, you know? that is a very good point. Ingmar Bergman, too, um, more so than other directors, I think is very, very talented at integrating. I think he was a filmmaker before the term magical realism was a thing, Sure, I think. Um, but no, he, he, he does have surreal and fantastical elements tied into non-fantastical films. Yeah, exactly. Or and he threads that needle very very well like they're they're very clearly um from like these sort of scenes or sequences are from a different like spiritual realm but they're still like kind of grounded in the logic of the movie yes i mean go all the way back to the seventh seal i mean that's a very uh a lot of supernatural elements obviously in the seventh seal and it still feels pretty grounded in yeah like a sort of realist kind of movie like a Roberto Rossellini movie in a way, you know? Now, Patrick, I want to talk about one sequence that is maybe the most vexing in the movie. Mm, yes. Uh, this is, I guess, spoiler alert. So okay. in the movie, like was we said, the they go move, they move in with the bishop. Did, okay, I now I need to be able to put a pause on what I was just saying to address what Patrick was just saying. There is a drunk uncle... <laughs> who takes the children aside and does a little fart performance for them. He calls it the fireworks show. He calls it the fireworks show. And did we say when we were watching that, oh, that's Patrick. When we were watching this movie, we did. We did. Did that. you actually say that? We did say that, yes. When the uncle was farting, you said that was me. Yeah, we said that Just was because you. I fart? You would do something like this. I this wouldn't... is not... What? I wouldn't bear my... The, the uncle bears his ass. Okay, that part was a little too much. But to say, I have a performance... A, 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 what is it? A fireworks show? A rocket a show for you? And, and then fart for the children? I could see you do that. I've seen you do many similar things to that. Um, I'm sorry. Okay, back to the bishop. Okay, back to the bishop. They So they move... So the beginning of the movie, they're in the Christmas warm. Everything's red. Trisha and I were watching it. My wife, Trisha. We were like, we're going to decorate our house like this next mm-hmm. year for Christmas. It's yeah. fan- fabulous. They move into the bishop's house. It is like... What would you describe this as? Like a dungeon it's castle. It's very dungeon-like, yeah. Yeah. And there's like no decorations. It's like all stone and really cold. And the white and Alexander and Fanny's mother regrets this marriage pretty quickly. (laughs) And they try, they have to figure out how to get the kids out of there. Cause Mm -hmm. the Bishop is like, you're not going anywhere. Yeah. And good surprise, surprise uh, laws at the time were not very friendly towards women in terms of, Divorce. Yes, and basically she could not get a divorce because she had, quote, abandoned the marriage if he didn't give permission, which he wasn't, and right. he'd be able to, like, keep the children. Keep so they're the trying kids. to, like, kidnap yeah. the children. They get a family friend to go, like, buy a chest from the bishop, and when he's doing so, he goes to the kids. He's like, get in the chest, get in the chest, and then the bishop is like, you're trying to steal my kids. And they open the chest earlier and the kids are not in there. He doesn't see them. And then the bishop runs upstairs and the kids are on the floor of the bedroom. But weren't yeah. they in the the chest? And it turns out they were in the chest. But for some reason, he saw them in the bedroom. What do you think that sequence was? It was so interesting. Like, it's confusing because you're like, wait, I thought they had they did get in the chest. And then... The bishop runs upstairs to stop them from being kidnapped and sees them sleeping on the floor. And it's like, oh, they're not being kidnapped, but they were being kidnapped. Somehow, for some reason, he saw them on the floor. 
it's extremely confusing. The only and it bugged not it didn't bug me in terms of it didn't did you say this was vexing for you? This was vexing for you? I guess vexing is maybe the wrong word. I just maybe confusing. Yeah. But not in a bad way. I'm putting kind of a negative term on it. But no, it, I agree it with makes you because like I want to call it irritating. Curious. But not in a, yeah, curious. Very curious. And it did kind of and I, I want my initial phrasing was gonna be it bugged me, but it and that sounds negative as well. But it didn't necessarily bug me. But it was after this is close to the end of the movie, but it stuck with me for a while. And I think um, the movie does a decent enough job, I think, overall of kind of laying the groundwork for some magic happening. Yeah. And so I think especially you, you just kind of have to allow. Yeah, especially afterwards, especially after that. Because at that point, there isn't that much groundwork. But afterwards, they say things like, well, there are things in this world that you will see and aren't there. Mm-hmm. And there are ghosts, actually. You do, people are interacting with ghosts beforehand. But this was just such a confusing one. Like, how did that happen? Why did that happen? We don't get an explanation for that. Because there is no sort of, like, I feel like, you know, as you mentioned, there were ghosts. So, like, we see their father, Oscar, who who strangely looked older than everyone else in the movie, which I guess that was because he was sick. Oscar looked older than his mother. He looked like the oldest man on the planet. Earth. He looked 95. like an old Hitler. He yeah. looked so much like Hitler, which was so distracting. It was so bizarre. I'm glad you brought it up because I was like, but they were not <laughs> intending him to look like Hitler. No, he just no. looks like Hitler. Like actually, like, a... like his like he looks like Hitler. But yeah, like he's it, a kind like, man. He's right. not a bad man. And, and they didn't movie. even like he didn't have a Hitler mustache. He just he just he looks looked, like Hitler. Looked like Hitler. Yeah, <laughs> like, he couldn't help it. Um, <laughs> uh, but you see, you see Oscar, uh, their father, as a ghost. But you multiple kind of times. multiple times. But it it doesn't. He doesn't really kind of interact with anyone else, and it's not really like part of the story necessarily, or as part of like any sort of action. Yeah. So you can kind of like isolate those incidents as just sort of like either dreams or just kind of um, products of Alexander's imagination. And so, like, it doesn't like initially fit with the logic of magic happening with uncle Isaac coming and putting them in the chest and then kind of creating some magic. So it looks like they're still in their bedroom when the Bishop goes to look for them to make sure they're not being kidnapped. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. But it isn't really explained. And there are some Jewish characters, including the man, their friend. Is it Isaac? Yeah. Isaac. um, I forget his last name. Gets the kids. Isaac Jacoby. Yeah. Isaac Jacoby. And when they, and they go and stay with him at his like antique shop. And there is sort of like Jewish mysticism Mm -hmm. going on with like the Jewish people having maybe in this film, like some more in touch with more magical things going on. Yeah. Uh, and that was sort of interesting. And then they go and see it also sort of a confusing part. They're like, Oh, our, my nephew Ishmael is very dangerous and sick. And then we go and meet Ishmael and it is a trans actor. Mm -hmm. I actually didn't do any research on this is the actor trans or was he just played by a woman? Just played by a woman. She is a cisgender woman. Okay. Yeah. So Ishmael is a male character, but played by a woman mm-hmm. and he kind of coordinates the murder of the Bishop through magic. And I right. think that is where the groundwork is sort of laid. Like, Oh, we can, we can manipulate things from here to kill the Bishop. 
Right. And they do. Yeah. Light his ass on fire. <laughs> I was getting so mad at him. He was so evil. He was so evil. So awful. I just wanted him to get his comeuppance. And he yeah. does. And same with L, although unfortunately, his, you know, who was also particularly awful, his sister, Henrietta. Yes. Uh, was also particularly awful. I was like, that was so crazy. Like, the day after they get married, they're like, house rules. You must wake up at 6 a.m. for prayers every morning and your beds must be made and you cannot leave the table unless you eat all your food. And the the mom is like, no, we're not doing all that. Yeah. And, but I was like, why didn't you discuss this before? Like, you should have seen some of this before you had married this guy. It was unbelievable. I was... Trisha was like, I'm so mad at the mom, which was, I was, you know, mad at her. But. Yeah, I'm trying to contextualize. I think she was blinded by grief. And then also yes. you know, the, the social mores. I think um, there was probably some pressure on her to, to, to marry so her children could have a, a father figure. But yes, it seemed like a sort of but rash it didn't decision, have to be especially him. considering such a she had such a her late husband's family was so supportive and lovely, which. We do need to touch on Gustav Adolf, I think, the character of Gustav Adolf. Well, I just want to say this family, I'm like, I love this family. They're so, this is the kind of like family you'd want to marry into. They are like 24-hour party people, (laughs) horned up, drinking, partying. All the men do not look particularly well just because they're (laughs) drinking. And like all of them are so sweaty and and bloated. (laughs) Um. And the women look gorgeous. Yeah. But, and it was just like a fun family. And to like leave that would be so sad. I don't know. And there is what like... We... A... Oh, go yeah, ahead. Go ahead. No, no, keep going, keep going. There is like... I don't know enough about Swedish politics and or social dynamics in 1907 to really comment on this. But uh, there is, you know, there's the upstairs, downstairs element where there's the kind of uh, wealthy upper crust and then there's the quote unquote help. But this family, the... Ek- Ekdal. The Ekdals seem very inclusive with their uh, the, the wait uh, staff helper. eats with them yeah, at, eat at the, the table, table with them. Yeah. And they're like very equals like the mom is like yelling at her <laughs> one of the 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 staff and one of the maids and she's like why are you so why are you so grumpy you're always so grumpy on Christmas Eve and she's like I'm not grumpy yo bitch and it's like <laughs> yeah. she felt comfortable like talking back to the <laughs> yeah. But at the bishop's place, it was like the help were oh, like very different confined dynamic. to this like dungeon area. <laughs> yeah. They were like golem-like creatures. It was very golem-like, <laughs> very golem-like, and snitches. Which yeah, snitches. Oh my god, uh, I was so upset when Justina snitched on. I know Fanny and Alexander. Unbelievable. But okay, a very important character, uh, and this actor is fucking fabulous. He's also in Babette's Feast. Did you recognize him? No, but now that you mention it, yeah, he did wait, look wh- familiar to me. Wait, what's his name? Gustav? Gustav Adolf. He's the oldest Gustav sibling. Adolf. He's played by Yori Kuhl. And uh, so he is in charge of the restaurant at the theater. Um, and he's a horn dog. Major horn he is dog. horny, horny. He's horny for his wife, and he has mistresses, and uh, he is just... And his wife is 
kind of cool with it. Yeah, she's like, uh, he, I guess because he's, he's like, nice. he's such a good husband that <laughs> I, I looked the other way with his little affairs, but he's like, I guess the bar was pretty low. <laughs> yeah, he's like having sex with one of the, the maids, one of the servants named Maj. <laughs> Shout out to Maj. And on Christmas Eve, I was like, can't you not have sex with your mistress on, you know, an- can't you do it on another night? Yeah. Were you also disturbed, not in a, um, not like, not scandalized by, but were they were so loud during their merry lovemaking that I was so yes. worried that the rest of the house was going to hear all of this nonsense. Oh, it was making me very they, anxious. I was well, like, his kids having, probably hear, his wife probably hears, his mom they, probably I'm, hears. I'm sure they did hear. And, and then they break the bed. Oh my God. That's just kind of part of the deal. They're freaky deeks. Trisha kept calling them the freaky Swedes, you know, and uh, <laughs> well, his, they really were. Did you notice his oldest, Gustav Adolf's oldest daughter, very clearly did not like her father. Seemed very put off by oh, him. Oh, is Pietra his daughter? Yeah, I don't that's know if his oldest daughter. understood that. Oh, yeah. yeah. She, like, hated him and she was annoyed hated by him. him. She was, well, like, ready to, like, move out with his mistress, Maj, or whatever. Yeah, well, yeah. there is something, you know, and then Maj has a few scenes where she's like, I feel trapped into this way of life. He's so kind, but I don't want... You know, it's like people can still be trapped even if, I don't know. I thought that was kind of interesting. Like, she's like, I'm trapped too. And it might be just because she's a woman. But like, just because things are free and fun doesn't mean you can't be, I don't know, yeah. trapped no, in your way he, of life, you know? he. I mean, he was like, this wasn't necessarily, I think, what the movie is overwhelmingly about but i mean there you can definitely spend a lot of time talking about you know she is an employee of the family and he was you know technically an employer of yeah. hers in a way and so utilized his power to and she even says to him do not put me in a family way and she gets pregnant yeah. with his baby and you know he is doesn't seem to be as concerned because he's taking quote-unquote care of her by giving her a cafe that she'll be the owner of. But she's yeah. like, I don't know if I really want that. I don't know if I want to yeah. own a cafe. And he's like <laughs> elated that they have a baby together. And he's like, this is wonderful. My family's getting bigger. Everyone's around. La, da, da. And it's like kind of <laughs> fully realizing his dream. But she's like, I kind of like don't want to live here for the rest of my life and be <laughs> yeah. just like this woman who has no meaning and no, uh, you know, purpose in her life other than to be, your mistress like yeah. that's like a trap too you right. know and so i don't know i thought that was kind of interesting there are like these different sects of like like the theater family the ek dolls they're very non-religious and they're sort of just like not have not a care in the world and that yeah. has its downfalls and then there's the super religious bishop that certainly has its trappings and downfalls too and yeah. then there's like the jewish uh, family that you know they I don't know if there's any necessarily downfall of that or negative things that I they're think saying the movie about shows that, but... a little bit how they're kind of marginalized like the bishop goes yeah, into like an anti-semitic rage against yes Uncle there's a Isaac. lot of anti-semitism so yeah they're, they're I don't know it just sort of shows these different facets and of there's a recurring theme too about how they talk about it's in Oscar's speech early on and they revisit it later about how there's like this um the small world. Yes. The, the little world, the small world. The little world. And how you can kind of, you try and find your solace and comfort in that as much as you can, because then you get outside of that and it's... <laughs> you try to create your little world. And that's sort of brought up in the 
in talking about the theater. Yep. At first, it's like we create our little world in here, but it gets expanded to be like this family. It's our little world we've created. And it's like when you step outside of that, is that good? Is it bad to like stay in your little world to create this little world? Brings up a lot of questions that are yeah. interesting, you know? Yeah. So I don't know. I, I, but it's also like a very, it's not a, I don't know. How did you feel emotionally at the end of the movie? Because in some ways I felt it's not like an uplifting movie, but it's also not a sad movie. Yeah. But it, but it is kind of a, I felt good generally at the end of it, but it's also like, like at the very end, Alexander is, sees the ghost of the Bishop and he's like, I, you'll never get rid of me. Yeah. And I was like, Ooh, yeah, that's kind of scary. Um, uh, we talked about this way back when we did the seventh seal and Ingmar Bergman kind of has a healthy approach to death. I think in a way, yeah. like it's, it's not a binary of good or bad or sad or happy, you know? And the last line, I can't remember what it is off the top of my head, but, uh, the matriarch of the Ekdal family reads from, some play that uh, her daughter-in-law has given her that she wants From, uh, to act in it, with her. Stravinsky? Yeah, Stravinsky, yeah. And she has a line that's kind of like about um, like about reality and about time and space. And um, I think ultimately it's kind of Strindberg, not Stravinsky. Oh. Stravinsky is the Russian composer. Oh, August okay. Strindberg. Strindberg, okay. Strindberg, okay. Uh, there's a quote that's just kind of like about how these things are not, not totally nebulous, but kind of, you know, like they're just, they're illusory in some ways, time and space. Yeah. And, uh, I don't know. So you can kind of construct your own, I don't know, your I feel own like reality. What does she say? There's like a flimsy, now I need to look up that quote. Cause it was really, really good. What she says. I feel, I always feel like sort of, a gentle optimism at the end of his movies yeah There's, that's like, how i would totally that's how i, would, I think that's a great way to it's not it. joyful it's not sad but it's pensive and kind of like i feel better having one at the end of it than i did at the beginning if that makes sense yeah i agree let's see if i can okay uh johan august waiting here here it is okay Benny Alexander ends with a quote from Johann August Strindberg's A Dream Play. Quote, everything can happen. Everything is possible and probable. Time and space do not exist. On a flimsy framework of reality, the imagination spins, weaving new patterns. Mm. So there's, you know, there's something that's slightly scary about that in a way. Yes. Um, maybe not necessarily sad, but something that's a little kind of daunting or or discomforting about that but then also there's something like what did you say cautious optimism what was your phrase no, I gentle, said gentle gentle optimism yeah so you can kind of the imagination spins weaving new patterns and there is a, a flimsy framework of reality so there's some sort of foundation that's mm -hmm. that you can plant your seed in did you know that there's a funny little uh i don't know if cameo is the right word because it wouldn't make sense at the time but peter stormare is in this movie. What? Who does he play? He plays the young man who helps Isaac get the coffin or uh, 
I believe he helps get the uh, the chest. Looking this up right onto now. the uh, the horse. He helps get the 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 chest with the kids in it onto a carriage. I oh, believe. Yes. yes, I think you are correct. Yeah, that's cool. So favorite, How did you uh, did you recognize him, or did you look at the credits and see that? I looked at the credits. You know, the guy that plays Gustav Adolf kind of looks like Peter Stormare. Are they related? Gustav? Oh, that's interesting. I don't know. I don't know. Can't speak to Jarl that. Kule. No, not related. Uh, are you Swedish at all? No, I don't think I have any Swedish. You have Swedish in you. I got some Swede in me. <laughs> I am 25% Swedish. 25%? On your dad's side, correct? Yes. My dad is... Uh, wait, what is he? He's 50% Swedish. A quarter Irish and a quarter Norwegian. Gotcha. So, I'm kind of the Minnesota combo. I'm German, (laughs) Irish, Swedish, and Norwegian. Okay. So it's good I'm back here with my people. So we kind of touched on this a little bit. A little bit, I think. This was the film is kind of semi autobiographical and actually takes place in uh, the town that Ingmar Bergman was born in. Oh, Uppsala. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly, but uh, yeah. How would you have handled so Alexander make he gets really in trouble with the bishop because the bishop's first wife and children died drowning in the river? Is that true though? Do we is that definitive that that's what happened to them? Yes, I was kind of unclear on that. Okay, that's true. Okay, but Alexander tells everybody that the ghost visited him and told him that the bishop had trapped them in a basement and they fled. And when they fled, they accidentally drowned right together. Yes. And the bishop does not like that. No, he doesn't. and he goes fucking insane <laughs> and he like beats him with a cane and is like, you have to apologize to me. And it's like insanely cruel. And he's like, now you have to sleep in the attic. Yeah. And this is all why the mom's away. But, what would you have done in that situation if, I, like, the, Alexander's like 10. If I were Alexander? If you were the bishop. Oh, like, how would you deal with your child's or your stepchild? I just, this? he's like, he's so obsessed with, like, getting an apology from him and also making sure he understands the evil thing he did and getting one up on him. I mean, and, I think- like, feeling so insulted that he would say such a thing. But I'm, I'm, I was just kind of like, he's a fucking kid. Who cares? That's yeah. what I was thinking. I mean, I think it's easier, you know, Monday morning quarterbacking, you know, easier That's said right. than done. But we're talking the language. I, I, I like to think uh, that I would, you know, you got to, you kind of just got to let that shit go. And then at a better time when things have cooled, you go and you talk with the kid to ask why they felt compelled to say that. Yeah. Or, you know, why why did they say that? Why are they not apologizing? Like to try and get it to their feelings. Yeah. And the motivation and he could have been behind like, what they said. He could have been like, you know what? Alex, that really hurt my feelings. Yeah. And that. then maybe you, you can be I could be reflective too and be like, maybe I've been behaving in a way yes. that has made you scared or has made you act he out. Was so evil. Yeah. He was cruel. I, he was very I feel cruel. Like, I feel like when I worked with children. At school and at camp, there were camp counselors and teachers that I felt like were a little bishop-like. 
Mm, and they nice. were just like, why don't these fucking kids get with the program? Why are they acting like this? Or like they would say something mean to a teacher and they the teacher would take it as if an adult had said it. But I'm like, <laughs> this is a little kid that's just trying to do whatever it takes to hurt you. Like right. you can't think of them as <laughs> on equal ground, you yeah. know? I do think, I mean, you know, not having children, it's, I don't know how to navigate this, but yeah, it's the kind of thing where you want to treat them, they're their own person and you want to um, award them that personhood and the respect that that goes along with that when having conversations with them. But at the same time too, you can't, like you said, you can't perceive something they say to you as if, as if they're an adult, you know, you have to be able to realize that. I feel like kids will do things that like you find like morally reprehensible, but they're not approaching it that same way. You know, like you're like, Oh my God, I can't believe you would say or do that, but they're not really thinking in the same. Yeah. I mean, kids do some really fucked up, gross, weird, creepy shit because they're just kind of navigating. Yeah. I just thought the bishop was just totally out of line. And I was glad he got burned to death. Yeah. Me too. I, there I said it, Patrick. By his, by his aunt who was on fire and laid on top of him on fire. Now, that was <laughs> funny, and I think the aunt was played by a man. I, I was wondering. And it felt like a comedic effect. And she was lit on fire, and it was sort of funny seeing her run down the hallway on fire and catch the bishop on fire. All right, let's see. what Elsa. It, Elsa was played by a man. Okay. <laughs> Hans Henrik Lerfeld. I wonder why they did that. That was that was like too silly. That felt like Monty Python esque, frankly. <laughs> it did um, feel Monty Python esque. Have you ever gotten into a relationship where you're like, okay, we're boyfriend girlfriend, and then you were immediately like, oh fuck, this was such a bad idea, <laughs> or like even like thing not even like that far but if you're like dating someone and you're and they're like i really like you and you're like i really like you too and it's like why did i say that yes uh a long time ago i feel like i have kind of had that experience yeah where it felt like definitely this would happen in high school a lot caught up in the moment yeah it happened uh right after college with with a girl that i dated that i felt like i felt a little too much too quickly yeah or it was like Oh, I'm in. Uh, I'm in too deep now, but yeah. I have to like see this through for another six. I've like committed to another six months or something. <laughs> Luckily, like, I didn't have that experience. It kind of fizzled, and I probably didn't handle it as as transparently as I could have uh, in retrospect. But uh, definitely, have kind of had that experience. I remember talking to you. Remember Gabe at Intelligentsia when we worked at Gate at Intelligentsia? Oh, yeah. yeah. Remember he was like my last girlfriend. I dated for like three years, and he's like after the first date. I remember saying to myself, this is never going to work. And we stayed together for three years. And he's like, I don't know why I stayed with him oh for so long. God. And I was like, I kind of understood that. You know? yeah, and I'm just I mean, thinking I that's what the, the wife that. was thinking with the bishop. Like, oh, oh yeah. fuck. Oh, shit. Why did I do this? Exactly. And, you know, as we kind of talked about before, I mean, he's he was there during her darkest hour and was a... Yes was a person that, I guess, provided her with some comfort. And he was in a sort of... I think I would have been out as soon as, oh, I live with my mom and sister. (laughs) I would have said goodbye. We didn't talk about uh, one of the other uh, Ed Ekdahl siblings. Carl. Carl, the sibling. I knew a few people growing up, a lot of people growing up, their last name ended in D-A-H-L. 
Really? Yeah. Didn't we know someone who also worked in intelligentsia, Geldof, Todd, Dahl? Remember, he was uh, in that band Bob Electric Geldof? Guest. I don't know. Uh, they worked at the intelligentsia. I don't, I don't know. know. Anyways. What were you saying? Who You were saying... Uh, talking Carl, about somebody else. Uh, one of the siblings. The farter. The farter, yeah. What more did you have to say other than you saw yourself in him as a character? That's not what I, <laughs> not what I said. He kind of fell off. Like, you see him a lot at the beginning, and he's, like, kind of a loser, and he's like, I owe my mom money, and, like, I need money. But I wonder if yeah, there's more in the... I wonder if there's more in the the television version, you know? I think I think there is. I think supposedly in the television version, there's also a lot more of Isaac Jacoby. There's an like sort of a backstory for him that I'd be oh, curious okay. to see. I would like to watch the um television version at some point. I know there's a scene in the television version where Gustav goes to the bishop and is like, "Please for the love of God, let Emily leave. We'll give you money and stuff." And he's like, no. <laughs> so that's interesting. That is Patrick, interesting. let's move on to the fartsy test. Sounds good. Okay, this is the fartsy test, the test that is used to determine the fartsiness of a movie, which is our scale that gauges how impenetrable, unapproachable, and generally artsy-fartsy a movie is. We continually add and subtract from this list. It's a living document, much like the Constitution, but far more important. Patrick. Disorienting editing choices. Hmm. Well, I was going to say some of the, like when we see the kids on the floor, that was sort of disorienting and they're not there. Yeah. You know, I mean, overall, I would, I would, or was lean... that just a narrative disorientation? No, I think it, because it is kind of like a, a trick on the eye in a way, but I would, I would lean. No, isn't cinema just question. a trick on the eye? 24 frames a second, you know, <laughs> yeah. whole thing. It's a lie of a... 24 frames every second. <laughs> Didn't somebody say that Godard? Yes, I think so. Uh, I, I kind of lean no for this, for the spirit of this question right. personally. Yeah, I guess so. You know, it has disorienting editing choices as persona. Yes, it does. And so does hour of the wolf. Yes. Scary movie. It is, that's David Lynch's favorite horror movie. The Hour of the Wolf. Mm-hmm. Wait, what's the one? There's. I've seen another Ingmar Bergman movie. It takes place at the same play at the same cabin as Hour of the Wolf. I can't remember. He he shot a lot of movies at his little cabin. Yeah, he did. Uh, okay. Anyways, inappropriately long gazing. It did seem like there was some long gazing. Yes. Alexander's looking at stuff. Staring, I would say yes on gazing. that one. Is there suicide? No. No. There's no. not. No, no, no. Does someone masturbate? Is there a penis in this movie? Uh, do we see Gustav's dangling? No, we don't see his genitalia. Uh... It is funny in the sex scene because he's like, let's have sex. Oh, whoop, I came. Rocket went <laughs> off early. And then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was funny. And then she gets on top of him and they break the bed. And they break the bed. And, they... and then he gets mad at her instantly for laughing at him. <laughs> Why did she? Oh, yeah, that's right. He got mad because she was like, I'm not going to be your mistress. Are you insane? He's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> are there topics, images, or behaviors that go beyond what would be considered acceptable in a mainstream film? 
The sequence with Ishmael towards the end yeah. uh, was pretty bizarre and disorienting. Yeah. And I guess that was kind of interesting editing choice too. Yeah. That sort of whole sequence. So a little bit, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I agree. Yeah. Uh, before Can- you get to the next one, uh, we mentioned this a little bit at the top, how Fanny doesn't really speak. Why do you think Why do you think they decided to title this Fanny and Alexander? Because so Fanny is really interesting. superfluous She's in the there. context. She's, She's there, there a lot. But... I feel like there's all sorts of essays about this because it seems very important for some reason. Because mm-hmm. Alexander is watching. He's watching. It's from his point of view. Right. The whole movie is from his point of view. And you don't even like get to really see who Fanny is to like halfway through the movie or like, yeah. you're not even totally clear who she is. Right. It's they, they sleep in the same room as their cousins on that, uh, the night of the Christmas it's party. Like, I feel like there's something about her being witness. She's mm. like the viewer actually of mm-hmm. the, like she is the, like almost like the film viewer of the movie. Like mm-hmm. she is the one watching it from an empirical objective point of view. Right. Yeah, I could see that. She's she like she's our two proxy. lines. She says like no. It's interesting. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah, you don't And maybe I mean maybe it's as simple as uh Ingmar Bergman wanting to pay some homage to his sister. Because I think he he had a sister in real life, right? I think. Yeah, but also it's it's interesting that it's Fanny first. Fanny and Alexander. Mm -hmm. And that kind of sounds better, but I don't know if it sounds better because we know the title of the movie or if it linguistically actually sounds better. But that doesn't seem like... uh, Yeah, so he had had an older brother, Dog. So Ingmar was the middle one. And the younger sister, Margareta. So I guess Margareta is ostensibly the Fanny. In the way they say take a load off Annie, right? Not a load off Fanny. Take a load off. I think it's Fanny. Take a load for free. Okay, do you think it's Fanny or Annie? I'm going to put $100 down on Fanny. All right, I'm going to put $100 down on Annie. All right, here we go. Fuck, it's Fanny. We didn't shake. The hundred. Oh, here we, we didn't go. shake. Here we go. Classic, classic. I knew you were gonna. According to Genius, the most famous part of the song is unfortunately the most difficult to explain. The most well-sourced theory suggests that Fanny is Kathy Smith, who dated slash slept with three in all caps members of the band, and who is infamous for giving John Belushi his overdose. Hmm. I didn't know that. Such, uh, I didn't realize it was so infamous to be Fanny. It seems like a lot of responsibility that. for her. It sounds I like I wish a... she hadn't brought this information. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What's the next in the diagnostic? Can peanuts start watching this movie after rape without falling asleep? That would be a tall task, in my opinion. Yeah, I watched it during the day. I started at 11 a.m. I was captivated. We started this at 8 p.m. last you night. You did? Wow. I am impressed. And began. And, and you stayed awake the whole time? captivated oh you know one of the reasons we were captivated why bought a new tv <gasps> 75 inches baby no way you got a 75 inch huge yes oh i am thrilled we have a to little hear theater down here i am thrilled to hear this news casey 
It's Phenom, Patrick. I've been wanting this for you for so long. It's Phenom. Well, I never had space for such a thing. I know. And now yeah. we have our basement theater. Oh, this is so cool. 75. Dang. I can't wait to check it out. Well, whenever you visit, like in the year 2030, you can check it out. <laughs> I'm hoping sometime in 2024, but we'll see. We'll see how things play out. We'll see when you give me my, after I go through the visa process. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> We're our own little, you know, our own nation here, yeah. our own nation state. Yeah. We don't I've need... submitted the forms. I've submitted yeah. the application fees. <laughs> it's still, it's stuck in bureaucratic okay. limbo right now. If yes. you could, if you could pull some levers, that'd be great. Oh, you left this part of the, it's <laughs> part of the document blank. That's going to cause a lot of confusion. We're going to have to start this process oh, all no. over again. Uh, is there an inordinate amount of milling about so much so this could be retitled We're the Millers? I think kind of. Kind of, but also, uh, yeah, maybe. Uh, not really. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know about that. I did. Did you think about that question while watching the movie? I did. No. I thought about that question while watching the movie, and I think I should go with my gut, actually, because my gut was like, there, there really isn't that much milling, and then I was kind of trying to convince myself that there is. Yeah. I don't know. I, I could see a compelling argument for, for both. I'm going to say no, because I felt like every scene had purpose and it wasn't just a vibe. It was vibey, but it felt like so intentional. Everything. Yeah. And, you know, it's a long movie and it's not quickly paced, but it's not really slow either. And there is a fair amount of dialogue from scene to scene that is kind of propelling things. Yeah. Um, well, sort of a metric I use for this is what I call the cranberry test. And okay. if I'm watching something and I start thinking, did you have to let it linger? Do you have to? Do you have to? Do you have to let it linger? Then I feel like there is millage. Does this, that make does sense? This, it does make sense. But does this uh, occur to you spontaneously? Like you have no control when this, this song strikes you? Exactly. <laughs> I'm powerless That's remarkable. It. <laughs> it's a beautiful song. But... You know, I feel like there are a lot of filmmakers that are like, let's just live in this for a little while. I don't really know what it means. You yeah. know, and it feels unpurposeful, but just to like sit there in it. But like this felt so, everything was so dialed in. Yeah. You know? And going back to the Christmas Eve festivities of the first hour, it is it very, you know, even though not a ton happens, it's very riveting just seeing every how everything plays out. And you mentioned it won Best Set Design, am I correct? Yes. Yeah. Not surprising. It's gorgeous. It's immaculately rendered. I saw Trisha's, your wife's uh, review about the candle budget. I also had those questions about how much must have gone into the candles and the candle. Were you worried about, you're famously very worried about burning your house down. Were you yes. worried that any of those so would have worried. caught flames? Yes. I don't understand how there wasn't a fire <laughs> weekly in every home in the world. I don't understand. It was insane. That that was what made, the ending made so much sense. Of course the ant lit on fire and killed <laughs> Her nephew. I remember when I visited torch. you one time, you were going around. We had we were leaving the apartment and you were unplugging everything in your house as we were leaving. Well, I started and, medication to help me with that. Okay, well, that's good. Um, but, but I remember the fear we were, is still there. Yeah, I remember we were living, leaving my apartment in Silver Lake one time and you were like, aren't you going to unplug that? I don't even know what it was. Something. And I was like, no. I do. You were like, you're, like, the- you're going to live in it. You live in a damn tinderbox. That's what you said. <laughs> 
I do even even with my treatment. I do unplug space heaters all the time. Space heaters. Space are... heaters. You have to. That's yeah. unquestionable. You okay, have to okay. unplug space. <laughs> okay, that, so I'm not that crazy. <laughs> I actually just bought a space heater today, and it's keeping me very toasty. Very nice. It has a thing on the bottom though that if it falls over, it turns off. Oh, that's good. There's a spring thing on the bottom. Oh, that like presses down. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. I mean, that's not a, I don't, I wouldn't count on that, but that's just a nice feature. Yeah, that is a nice feature. So you have central heating and I have central heating now too. Tell me why you got a space heater. Cause I'm thinking about it too. Why did you? My basement's very chilly. Oh, okay. Also, there's something that happens around, like if, if it's like 40 to 50 degrees outside, then it's just naturally warmer upstairs where the thermostat is. Uh, yeah. And but it's still cold enough to make like the ground cold. And basically then it's really cold in the basement. But when yeah. it's like in the twenties and the heater needs to be on to keep upstairs warmer, then it's nice and toasty in the basement. It's kind gotcha. of opposite. You know, it's no, like it needs sense. to get a certain cold level to like make it warmer down here. So I've thought about, cause our um, bathroom gets, cause the insulation isn't great. And the yeah. bathroom there is, it's, I think one of the, it might be the only room in the house without any vent, um, which is kind of strange. Um, and uh, so the bathroom gets really, really cold. It's like really, really thin walls. And it's kind of like just kind of off to the side. A Isn't bit. that the worst? A cold bathroom. Yeah, you it's the worst. I stayed in an Airbnb once in Portland, Maine that had the, um, you know, the pinnacle of luxury, had heated heated floors. And it was oh, it's incredible. It was like late well, November. Sean Ortega's so pretty- apartment. In Los Angeles, he has one of those heater things in the uh, ceiling that's like a heater for the whole room. Oh, yes, yes, I've seen these, yeah. I used to have one in, was it my Silver Lake apartment or my Los Feliz apartment? One of those had a, had a heater and I loved Sean, it. Sean knows how to do comfort. Sean has a huge TV. Now we have the same size TV and <laughs> can't beat me anymore. Uh, yeah, Sean knows comfort. Particularly when drinking water off of a mini bar uh, (laughs) in Las Vegas. Uh, Poster titillation level. It's kind of an interesting poster. It's like Fanny and Alexander just standing there. I like it. I wouldn't, I don't know if I would go as far as to say it's high titillation, but I like the poster. No notes, as they they say. You say no notes? No notes. (laughs) I guess I'd go with no notes. Oh, God. Are you getting stressed about the election? Not it's starting yet. to creep in. It's starting I'm not stressed in. just yet. I'll be stressed probably around June or May. Let's see what happens in the primaries. Yeah. I can't allow myself to be stressed. Don't let it in. I agree. Too I blessed to be stressed. Too, truly too blessed. Uh, Patrick, what's your score on the fartsy test? So this is one of the movies we, we've encountered this kind of film before where the diagnostic... Running through it, the final score might not align exactly with the variables and the input. Right. It might be one of those. I'm going to go 8.9. I was going to say 8. An even 8? An even 8. Okay. And why? I mean, 8 is high. It's not crazy high. Mine is obviously higher. Is there something that you think... I mean, it's obviously very artsy-fartsy, and eight is very artsy-fartsy. Listen, it's artsy-fartsy. You're going to the art house theater to watch this, but mm-hmm. it's still it has a sheen of prestige mm-hmm. that it makes sense that it won an Academy Award. And you know I what I mean? Something that you just said that I think goes a long way. You're going to the art house theater to watch this. If you are going to the art house theater to watch this movie, 
you kind of have an idea of what you're in for to an extent. You know oh, what I mean? Oh, you've recalibrated. Yeah. So like if you, but if you, there are certain movies we've discussed in that podcast where we could, you could go to the art on house that cinema. podcast, uh, art house. <laughs> I don't think I said that podcast. I think Didn't you I said say that this? I thought you said that podcast. <laughs> that podcast. That damn podcast. Um, this podcast. <laughs> um, where I think if you were to go to an art house cinema, you would still be shocked at what you saw. Oh, and yes. There, nothing I mean, could prepare you for it. But that's this, what I we're think, talking about. Like yeah. Sallow. If we were going to Sallow, we're like, okay, we're recalibrated. We're at the art house theater. And it's like, my God, they're eating so much poop in this movie. Right. I can't <laughs> yeah. believe how much poop. Or like a Gaspar Noé movie, something like that. Sure, you know? sure, 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 um, sure. So yeah, I, I like eight. Um, I could come down from 8.9. You don't uh, have to You don't have to do that. All right, then I'll keep it here. Wonderful, so there we wonderful. Go. Well, it's a great... It, it really made me feel hooga and cozy. Mm -hmm. And that Christmas scene at the beginning, I mean, it was... It reminded me of Christmases of my youth. Yeah, it me did. too. Even though it didn't like actually resemble that, the uh, the feelings, the sensation, the joy, the anticipation. We used to sing a lot of carols at my mom's side of the family Christmas with all my aunts and cousins and stuff. Mm. And so there was a lot of music and pageantry and stuff, and it felt like this to some degree. We never sang. My mom does a really, really phenomenal job of decorating for Christmas That's every good. year. So it's it That's feels, good. which I think was particularly important growing up in Southern California, where yes, you every day you. is indistinguishable from the previous, <laughs> the previous one. It is interesting, you know, for Christmas. It was a Christmas movie at the beginning. Mm -hmm. The the Eck dolls do not go to church. No. Which it's I love. I hated going to church on Christmas. We did. We actually rarely went because I love this. My parents. They didn't want to deal with the crowds or the traffic. So we almost never went to church on Christmas. Oh, we had to. Oh, it Christ was, so... was born on that day. Don't you know that? Pretty sure that's a pagan tradition. Oh boy. I think a lot of scholars think he was born sometime in July. <laughs> actually, I think he was. What's your guess? When do you think Jesus was born? Um, when was? I don't want to have this conversation. <laughs> this heretic. Uh, with this, well, how do you rank? Uh, in terms of holidays, where do you rank it? I feel like this is something we've talked about every fucking year. But like, what are your what all time uh, holiday ranking list? Yeah, Christmas. Uh, I think is now the highest. Maybe More Halloween. Ha no, maybe Halloween. Here's why Christmas I think edges out Halloween because typically everything shuts down. You know, you can actually really sort of relax on Christmas. Halloween, you're still go, go, I, go. Christmas is number one for me. Mm -hmm. Close second is Halloween. The thing that Christmas has over Halloween is I can get really swept up in the emotion of Christmas. Just mm. like the goodwill and like I can really tangibly feel that and i can really uh it has a big impact on me where i feel that i i can get swept up in the halloween-ness the spookiness of the season especially now that i'm in like a very fall autumnal area but mm -hmm. that, i love christmas There's but you know one of the laws of physics every action has an equal and opposite Reaction. reaction okay yes. 
And so the problem with Christmas is there's also an intense concentrated melancholy that oh, I experience. Is. I experience it too. Yeah. Uh, and that is hard because also Christmas is like kind of, it's not the last holiday in the stretch of holidays, but it's like right at the end. And you're like this fun stretch that we had with Halloween, uh, Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. Christmas. It's about to end. Yeah. And we're about to get into the most dreary part of the calendar. January through April is just yeah. really nasty. And then you really have, I mean, there's some Easter heads out there, but for the most part, you really don't have anything. I know not July. a single Easter head. Yeah. <laughs> Except those big heads on Easter Island. Yeah. <laughs> those are the only Easter heads I know about. Oh, case too funny. <laughs> that was good. It's <laughs> very good. Who likes Easter? I don't know. I guess Jesus. Jesus, he came, he came back. Here, okay, my hello. all-time worst holiday list. Easter is on there definitely. Mm-hmm. Strongly on there. Thanksgiving's on there. That's just mm-hmm. for me. I know that's controversial. Yeah, no, I, you and I are in agreement on Thanksgiving. New Year's uh, is awful, I think. I love New Year's. Why do you like New Year's again? We've talked about this, but I forget. Why why do you like New Year's? I hate New Year's. Mm, I'd like to get a smooch at midnight. You never know. That is not why. Is that why? Because you like to get your midnight kiss? It's not why. (laughs) You know what one of my most... (laughs) When when I think of New Year's, for some reason, one of the most... uh, The memory that evokes the most is that memory of Lieutenant Dan... In Forrest yes. Gump with the streamers coming down. <laughs> I like guy. that. I'm one of the party people <laughs> in that room. Sign. Yeah. <laughs> it's fun. Lieutenant I think Dan's I just thousand said... yard stare. <laughs> Poor guy. The thing that stinks about LA is that there's not a good television pro- broadcast of New Year's Eve. Is there it's one? It's always in New York. Oh. I don't think so. Yeah. But that was that I feel like there was more of a central time zone one or something. I don't know. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, there was never anything. We always did the, the East Coast one when we were kids. It was uh, we had drop. a good New Year's together. You remember that one time in San Diego? We yeah. bought that Sure that do. Fun. That was very, very fun. I've actually I've had some some very fun New Year's actually. But it's I'm um, trying to think of other bad holidays. Fourth of July, I think, is just okay. I don't mm-hmm. hate it nor love it but like who loves fourth of july who's some people love fourth of july some people love it my high school girlfriend loved fourth of july was like her big that was her big holiday crazy she loved fourth of july like i had to have something planned for us to do on fourth of july yeah but uh interesting all right patrick we've been talking far too long (laughs) really i don't think there's a far too long when it comes to you and me I think that some listeners would disagree with that sentiment. <laughs> Probably a handful. <laughs> uh, but that's us, Patrick. What a fun. This was fun. I'm feeling very Christmassy. Ho, ho, Me too. ho. Okay, that is us. If you want to follow any of us, me or Patrick, on Twitter, Patrick R. Mallon. He's on Letterboxd, at PR Mallon. I'm Casey Lee O'Brien on all services. Uh, yeah, that's it. Thank you for listening lovely listeners and have a merry christmas patrick merry christmas to you merry christmas to you case and happy new year yes and all the good stuff i'll uh i'll send you some photos and texts yes. from the big easy where i'll be i would love that please uh, don't on choke Thursday. on the baby <laughs> i won't choke on the baby all right peanut 
We'll talk to you later. All this right, is the Cinephile nice. Cuties signing off. Bye. Patas. 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 Patas.